Do you think it is impossible to maintain a decent diet once your baby is born? How about sleep? Do you believe that it's impossible to get enough sleep once the new addition has joined the family? How would you feel if I told you I didn't believe you? Stay tuned to find out how it's possible to take control of your nutrition and sleep, regardless of having a newborn in the home. Welcome to Fitness for Fatherhood, the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness and become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stacey Liddell, your host, a qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor, and soon-to-be dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples to take control of your health and fitness to become the superhero dad your kids can look up to. So you're a new dad, and I understand you're probably swamped, right? Between all those diaper changes and the 3 a.m. wake-ups, You barely have time to think about a balanced diet, but it's possible. It starts with smarter choices and controlled portions. Have an apple instead of chips. Drink more water. And remember, half your plate should be fruits and veggies. And how about the myth of new parent sleep deprivation? How about we bust it today? Good sleep isn't a luxury. It's a necessity, especially for new parents. It regulates your hormones, helps muscle recovery, stabilizes your mood, and sharpens your cognitive functions. What about some strategies? How about splitting the night duty, using dim lights during nighttime baby care, and a white noise machine can also do wonders. Never underestimate the power of good naps either. So how about we take a deeper dive on how to get better nourishment and more sleep? So for today's episode, my main aim is to leave you with some real-life practical strategies for getting a wholesome diet even when it seems like you barely have time to spare. We all know how busy life can get with a baby in the home, but that doesn't mean we can't nourish ourselves with good food. So let's dive in and explore some of the tips that I found when doing some research on the topic. I'm going to start with two words that I guess I could say I despise. Dad bod. This is a term that is usually thrown at middle-aged men, and I'm not sure why, but it really grates me, it irritates me a lot. I guess maybe giving a bit of a background is important here. From a young age, I've always admired warrior societies, and as a result, over the course of my life, I've studied warrior societies, and I draw a lot of wisdom from some of their practices. Now, it goes without saying that these societies also did a lot wrong too. That isn't really the point here. And I guess where I'm going here with the story is that I can't imagine the dad bod being the epitome of masculine excellence from a physical standpoint at any time in history, and especially not among some of my favorite societies such as the Spartans, the Apaches, or the Samurai. I think the first time I saw the word used was to describe Leonardo DiCaprio, almost 10 years ago, while he stood shirtless on a beach with one of his supermodel ex-girlfriends. I found that it was quite weird that that is where this word or these words took off in popularity, given that DiCaprio was childless at the time, and I think he still is childless at the time. When I last checked, I don't think Leo has any kids, and his body looked spectacularly round and soft. And now I know I'm going to get into a lot of heat from the body positive movement about what I'm going to say next. 
Oh, Stacy, you don't know what you're talking about. Leave these people alone. They're comfortable in their own skin. I can already hear the backlash that I'm going to get for saying this in the modern era. Um, That's okay. I'm not here to tell anyone how to live or how to look. What I'm trying to get at here is that confidence is certainly more important than how you look. But confidence also comes from feeling comfortable in your own skin, regardless of your weight. It's my belief that as your body changes and you look and feel healthier, your confidence will increase as a byproduct of feeling and looking healthy. I've spoken to so many parents who describe the love that they have for their kids. It seems hard to imagine anybody describing loving anything more than they love their kids. I guess there are those weirdos out there when they talk about their dogs. You know who you are. But other than that, when people describe the love for their kids, it seems to be the greatest form of love. And if you love your kids as much as these people do, or as much as they say that they do, don't you believe that it's important to look after your health to the best of your ability? I can't imagine having a son and having him aspire to looking like Leonardo DiCaprio in that picture with his shirt off on the beach. What kind of message would that send to him? You don't have to be a narcissist and become consumed with your appearance. Improving your body image won't do you any harm. When I was 25 years old, I was as thin as a rake. I made a conscious decision to start taking care of my health, both physically and mentally, because I looked into the mirror and I could see the wasted potential staring back at me. It's important to note that belly fat is a clear indication of visceral fat. This is the fat that surrounds the vital organs and increases the risk of serious medical complications such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, stroke and even certain cancers. I stand opposed to the lies of our current comfort culture. Overeating, drinking tons of alcohol and not exercising are seriously poor lifestyle choices from a purely scientific standpoint. And this is in no way meant to sound judgmental. In my past, I used to drink a lot of alcohol. I used to eat a lot of McDonald's and fast foods, especially when I was a student. And I became a, pretty much a couch potato for four years from the age of 20 to 24. And I was just lucky that I had a, a met- metabolism that was in hyperdrive. And I essentially didn't really put any weight. In, in fact, it was the opposite. I was also relatively poor at the time, so I wasn't eating much food. At some points, I was eating only one meal a day with barely any calories in it because I couldn't afford good quality food. And as I said, this is not a judgment on you. I just want to share my opinion, my experiences, and I have to draw the line in the sand somewhere because if I don't tell you where I stand, it will be difficult for you to understand my perspective and why I advocate for the things that I do. I think it's important to remember that your body will start to change in appearance if you follow a certain set of lifestyle choices. If you eat well, get enough exercise and rest, your dad bod will disappear without fixating on it. Today I want to focus on sleep and nutrition 
because as dads, I know time becomes an even rarer commodity than it already is for those of you who don't have kids yet. When I was looking into the topic of diet and fatherhood, I wanted to see if there was any research that was done to show the impact that kids have on our diets. I came across a very old study done by Duke University in the US, and it showed that each child you have increases your risk of obesity by 4%. Unfortunately, there was no explanation of what was causing this phenomenon, although the authors of the paper did make some educated guesses, and they said that parents spend less time exercising, they tend to eat more snacks because they are more available in the home, and there is less time to prepare wholesome food. But when I read through this, I thought there was, must be something else going on. This didn't really seem to cover everything. And I came upon a New York Times article that made me realize that when you have kids, your kitchen often starts to bend to the whims of their taste preferences. Have you ever found yourself eating your children's leftovers, for example? What may appear to be small indulgences at a time can lead to significant increases in calories over the course of a year or five years. And if you add that all up and add it to the less frequent exercise as well as the fact that there's less healthy food around the home, you can see how quickly things can escalate and weight gain can become a problem. So it was at this point that I scoured the internet for tips that can help you with the issue of mopping up all the leftover food at mealtime. The reason why I can't give you first-hand experience here is because, as I said, my baby's arriving within the next month, and I don't quite have the same problems as you may have as a new dad. But I'm already starting to think about these things to try and prepare myself when these challenges come up in my own life. And hopefully in doing so, I can provide you with some examples and tips as well. I found some tips that sounded silly at first, but when I thought deeply about them, I realized that they would definitely work, and I urge you to give them all a try. The first suggestion is from a doctor by the name of Anthony Fabricatore. He's the medical director of obesity at Novo Nordisk. His advice is to control portion size. There are some simple tricks that can help you do so. One thing that my wife and I do, and it's actually what the doctor recommends, is that you can portion your food before you start cooking to try and minimize the amount of food there is left over for you to eat. This way you make it effortful to prepare a second batch. So essentially you're putting a little bit of mental distance between your next meal and the meal you've just eaten. Having to go back to stand in front of the stove and cook is going to be enough of a disincentive in most cases that you're probably going to be happy after you've finished your meal, that you've had enough to eat. And another tip comes from Rena Wing, who's a professor of psychology at, Brown's Universi- at Brown University's medical school. She advises that you portion the food in your fridge. An example she uses is placing your grated cheddar into small containers prior to eating it. She recommends this because she claims that your appetite is often linked to the size of the portion that is presented to you. So if you get a big bowl of cheese, you're likely to finish it. If you get a small bowl of cheese, you're likely to finish it. And in both instances, your appetite is satisfied. 
which is a very interesting concept, the size of the portion that you present yourself with determines or is linked to the size of your appetite. Very, very interesting. She goes on to say that we also come up with rationalizations on why we need to eat more food. And especially with the kids in the home, we often tell ourselves things like, you don't want the leftovers to go to waste. But Professor Wing reminded the readers of the article that by overeating, you're not helping anyone. You, In fact, probably creating more problems for yourself and potentially your family in the long run. And so it's important that you realize that your kids generally require energy-dense foods because they're experiencing a lot of growth and they tend to be highly active. So there's no need to purge this nutrient-dense rich food from your home because they are beneficial for the kids. So don't punish your kids and their preferences because you can't help yourself from eating their foods, right? And I guess in this situation, I could advise you to have monk-like discipline and avoid these foods altogether, but I know that this isn't going to work, and it doesn't work. I've tried this kind of discipline, full-tilt discipline, when I was prepping for my first bodybuilding show, and over a certain number of weeks, you become more and more prone to binge eating. Being overly restrictive like that definitely backfires, so just be careful of that. Don't restrict yourself all the time. It's going to do terrible things for your psychology and how you think about food. And then what I've done instead is, and it works best for me, is that I stick to my guns 85% of the time. And I allow guilty pleasures, things like ice cream and candy, for 15% of the time. So the other 15%, I allow myself some wiggle room. And this means that I enjoy treats and I get takeout when my wife and I want to, but then the rest of the week, it's home-cooked food. And just like we wouldn't allow our children to binge-watch TV before going to bed, I think we also have to set standards for ourselves. Tightening up your diet is going to save you a lot of headaches when it comes to weight loss and also your body image in the long run. So instead of that yogurt, fruit and granola combo in the morning, how about you try and switch to something like a high fat and protein breakfast. One of my favorite high fat protein breakfasts is an avocado with two eggs. And the great thing about eggs is you can change them up, you can scramble them, you can poach them, you can fry them. You can even cook them inside the avo where the pip used to be if you have an oven and you can do them like that, which is also incredible. And then to add a bit of flavor, just a tiny bit of salt and some ground pepper. And that is an amazing healthy breakfast that you can substitute in that works better and keeps you fuller for longer than your yogurt, fruit and granola would. Another major factor I want to touch on here is that your preferences for food, and especially if the food is salty, fatty, and sugary, will influence the preferences of your children. The food choices you make at home have a profound impact on the choices you make outside of the home. So you may be thinking, well, okay, Stacy, this is all fine and well, but do you have any practical tips or strategies that I can use to help myself? And something that my wife and I started doing a few months ago is meal planning. 
I'm not talking about meal prepping where you sit in the kitchen or stand in the kitchen for a few hours on the weekend and cook your entire week's worth of food. That's different. I'm talking about meal planning. Every Saturday morning, we sit down for a few minutes and plan our meals for the coming week and then we go and do a one-off shop for the week ahead. So not only do we save money by doing this because we only buy the things on our list and we don't have any sort of in-the-moment, spur-of-the-moment purchases, but we've also stopped ordering in as much and eating out as much because we already have a plan for the week ahead and our cupboards and fridge is always stocked with food that we can eat for the week ahead. And here I'm going to say a cliched saying that failing to prepare is preparing to fail and this definitely rings true here. So just that's something that can be done quite quickly and easily. You sit down, we just basically do a little menu for the week We are lucky in the sense that we eat at work. We are currently teachers at school and we get school lunch provided. We do pay for it, but we don't prepare it. So we only have to worry about breakfast and dinner. Another thing we do is that we have started replacing sweets and chips with healthier snacks, such as fruit and nuts. I do have a couple of weaknesses when it comes to some junk foods. I'm a sucker for potato chips and ice cream. So what we call just chips in South Africa and ice cream. Those two things are very, very big wee points for me. And what I used to do is I used to always have a packet of chips in the home. So when I felt like having them, I would dig in and grab some. And what I've done is instead of replacing the chips when they ran out, I either didn't buy anything at all, or if I did buy something, I'd buy some almonds, some cashews, some pistachios. Instead of the chips, I'd eat nuts. And yes, they are more nutrient-dense, but I wouldn't be able to eat nearly as many calories when I'm eating nuts because I get full after a while, whereas with chips, I can just keep eating because they're so moorish. And another thing that I like to really focus on, because in the past, I've been really poor at this is drinking water so now I have a water bottle with me at all times and when I'm hydrated I feel as if I crave food far far less I'm I'm fascinated to find out if there's actually something going on here between the gut and the brain Um, I'm almost certain there is that the the gut is responding to being full and therefore signaling for less food but I would like I'd love to speak to somebody in more detail about that, maybe a nutritionist or maybe a neurologist or something like that who would know more about the issue. And another thing I want you to watch out for is your mood. We all have triggers. Mine is boredom. When I'm bored, I find myself digging through the cupboards looking for something to eat. So like I said, boredom can be a trigger for you or perhaps stress. I know certain members of my family, when times and things get stressful, they turn to food. So we all have our triggers and the best thing you can do is try and pick up on those triggers and replace eating with a healthy habit. So when you feel your trigger being activated and you want to reach for food, try and insert a different habit. For example, I like to read a book or maybe I speak to my spouse and sometimes they'll even go and sit and meditate. Do what fits best into your lifestyle. Don't do something that's going to be difficult uh, to to start as a habit, something that has too much 
limbic friction, as Andrew Huberman would say, something that's too difficult to get started for you to even develop into a habit. And then perhaps a, a penultimate bit of advice here, second last bit of advice, is mindful eating. I remember when my wife and I used to live in South Africa, we used to watch TV and eat dinner at the same time. And this was definitely contributing to overeating. It's kind of mindless. You're just looking at the TV while shoveling food into your mouth. And the same goes for watching sports games, such as rugby or or football. And I would find myself easily, easily devouring loads of snacks and chips and dips and things while watching TV because it's kind of mindless. You're not really focusing on what you're putting into your mouth and eating. And then what, what we do now is when we sit for dinner, we sit down at a table and there are no phones, no TVs, only music in the background. And number one, it's great for our relationship. We get to spend that extra quality time together. And number two, very mindful of what I'm eating and very aware of the amount of food that I'm eating. So the final thing I want to touch on is um, alcohol. And I've mentioned this before in, in previous episodes of the podcast. And I know this is going to get some hackles up and some people are going to scoff at me when I say this. But a huge habit change for me last year was quitting drinking. I did so in October of last year. And I don't think... Well, I'm not even sure that I'll never drink again. I can imagine a future where I could enjoy alcohol in certain moments. But at the moment, I don't even have casual drinks. Because this is something that I used to do and I very quickly slipped. One quickly turned to two, two turned into four. And very quickly things escalated from there. And so I know that saying this is going to lead to some of you giving me death stares. And feeling very opposed to this tip, but think about how much alcohol you're consuming and perhaps try cut down on it. Remember that a beer, a 500ml draft beer of regular lager has about 200 calories in it. And putting that into perspective, if I were to go and run for a jog, it would probably take me 30 to 40 minutes to burn off that single beer. And I know personally, I don't stop after one beer, so... If you're having four or five beers twice a week, think about how many extra calories that is and how that's contributing to your concerns about weight if you do have weight concerns. And so before I round off, I just want to say I know that I sound like a taskmaster, but unfortunately the reality is if you want to get into shape, you're going to have to take an honest look at what you're consuming and decide if these things are serving you or if they are hindering you. You're a big boy. And I know that nothing I can say is really going to change how you behave unless you want to make the change in the first place. So if you're ready to make those changes, give it a shot. And I promise you, you won't regret it. Now I want to turn your attention to sleep. And I want to start off with some of the misconceptions of sleep. And there are some pretty damn amusing ones. Some of them are downright bewildering. And these misconceptions seem to just float around without anyone challenging them. And I want to look at some of the ones that link to new dads. And I want to talk about some of my favorites here. The first one is that sleep deprivation is some sort of rite of passage. So first off, I've heard of many people describing sleep deprivation as just part of being a new parent. Right? How many of you have heard that that 
been stated out loud. Oh, when your baby arrives, you won't get any sleep. It's just part of the deal. It comes across as if those bleary-eyed nights are some sort of initiation ritual into this non-existent dad club. But there's actually a truth here, and that chronic sleep deprivation isn't something to be proud of, and it certainly isn't a rite of passage. But you certainly will be on the fast track to burning out. And it's important to find ways to get that much-needed rest, even if it means breaking away from traditional expectations of what new fatherhood should look like. The second one is sleep deprivation shows commitment. So I've heard this one from time to time as well. It's sort of the age-old badge of honor myth. Some people actually believe that the more zombie-like you are, the more devoted you should be or are as a father. So let's set the record straight on this one. A lack of sleep does not make you a superhero dad. In fact, being well-rested can actually make you more effective, patient, and present as a father. Trust me, your little one would rather have you alert and engaged than nodding off during playtime. The third and final myth I want to talk about is that new dads don't need as much sleep. Sometimes I hear this, and it's something that I want to tackle, and it's this perception that new parents and new dads don't need as much sleep as you know prior to, to having a baby. And I'm going to burst your bubble again here, but this is definitely not true. Being a new dad does not magically grant you the ability to function op- optimally on less sleep. Adults generally need seven to nine hours of sleep, and this will provide you with optimal health, and becoming a parent doesn't really change that. And I can tell you from experience, trying to drive safely when you haven't slept enough is not easy and sometimes can be very, very dangerous. I've, I used to work night shifts, and I've driven sometimes where I was suffering from severe lack of sleep as a result of night shift, and let me tell you, I had some hair-raising moments on the drive home. You don't want to put yourself in danger because you couldn't get a good night's sleep. So just be careful out there. Please take your sleep as seriously as possible. And now that I've busted through some of the myths about sleep, I want to dive into some of the science why good quality sleep is so crucial, especially for new dads. First up, I'd like to talk about hormones. And the studies have shown that sleep has a huge influence on your endocrine system. Your endocrine system is just a fancy way of saying your hormonal system, normally regulated by the endocrine system, which is linked, obviously, to the kidneys. And it is this endocrine system that regulates many of these vital hormones. For example, the research indicates that lack of sleep can lead to increased levels of cortisol, also known as the stress hormone. Elevated levels of cortisol can lead to feelings of anxiety, which I'm sure is the last thing any new dad needs. And let's not forget about testosterone, vital for energy and muscle recovery. Its production is also affected by sleep. In fact, a study published in JAMA showed that men who slept less than 5 hours a night for a week experienced a 10 to 15% decrease in daytime testosterone levels. That is a significant drop, especially for those of you trying to squeeze in workouts amidst those diaper changes and baby burping sessions. That leads us nicely into the topic of muscle recovery. When you're pushing your body through those home workouts, you're essentially creating micro tears in your muscles. It's during sleep that your body repairs these tears, leading to muscle growth. Poor sleep equals poor recovery, 
which can lead to decreased performance and even injuries. It's like trying to build a house on shaky foundations. Doesn't sound like a smart idea, does it? Now on to mood. It's no secret that a bad bad night's sleep can leave you feeling grumpy. It goes deeper than that. According to research, sleep deprivation can lead to a decrease in dopamine levels, the feel-good hormone that helps us enjoy life's little pleasures, like your baby's first smile. So skimping on sleep could literally rob you of joy. Last, but definitely not least, sleep is vital for cognitive functions like memory, attention, and decision-making. One study from the Sleep Research Society found that after just 24 hours of sleep deprivation, there was a 60% increase in the reaction time on cognitive flexibility task. And let me tell you, when you're trying to juggle a baby, a diaper bag, a car seat, and your own sanity, cognitive flexibility is a pretty handy skill to have. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is that sleep is not a luxury, but in fact it is a necessity. It is as vital to your health and well-being as food and water, and possibly even a good dad joke. So make sure you're giving your body the rest it needs to navigate the wild ride of fatherhood. And now that we've got the science out of the way and geeked out a bit, I want to bring it back to the world of diapers, baby giggles, and those mysteriously appearing stains on your shirt. How does all the sleep stuff relate to you as a new dad? So first things first, sleep and patience are more intertwined than you'd think. A study published in the Journal of Sleep Research found that even minor sleep deprivation could lead to lower impulse control. In dad terms, less sleep could mean losing your cool during a midnight meltdown or when your little one decides that sleep is for the week for the third night in a row. A well-rested dad is a more patient dad and let me tell you, patience is your best ally during those why won't this baby stop crying moments. Next is talk about sleep and memory. This might not seem like a big deal until you're standing in the supermarket, sleep deprived, and you can't remember if it's diapers or wipes you were supposed to be buying. Or worse, you forgot that you were supposed to pick up your mother-in-law from the airport. Believe it or not, research has found a strong link between sleep and memory. A study in the journal Nature Communications showed that lack of sleep could lead to a 40% deficit in the brain's ability to form new memories. So those precious first moments with your baby, you'll want to be well rested to remember them. Now on a lighter note, let's talk about the amusing side of sleep deprivation. I once knew a dad who was so tired, he put his cell phone in the fridge and spent the next hour looking for it. A personal anecdote of mine, I once was so tired that instead of putting coffee into my coffee mug, I was trying to feed my cat at the same time. I accidentally put his food into the mug and the coffee into his cat bowl. And that was literally from being overly tired and not getting enough sleep the night before and standing groggily in the kitchen. So, I mean, these stories are all in good fun, but they do underscore the importance of getting enough sleep. So fellow dads, please, sleep isn't just about keeping your own sanity intact. It's about being the best parent you can for your little one. So let's put sleep at the top of our to-do lists, right alongside mastering the swaddle and perfecting the dad joke. So now that I've talked about why sleep is important, I also want to get into the nitty-gritty of how you can improve your sleep as a new dad, because I know it is easier said than done, and I feel your pain, but please hear me out. 
First off, try to maintain a consistent sleep schedule. Here I'm not talking about the baby because uh, a lot of people assume that I mean get the baby on a sleep routine and I know that's not always possible. I'm talking about your sleep schedule and I can already hear you screaming through the speaker. Yeah, right, with a newborn. Trust me, it's not possible. But bear with me. Even if your sleep is broken up by your baby duties, the goal here is to try to get to bed and to wake up at consistent times each day. So even if it's interrupted, try and make sure that it's consistent. Consistency is more important than the actual number of hours you are sleeping. Why is this important? Because this helps regulate your body's internal clock, otherwise known as the circadian rhythm. And this is going to make it easier for you to fall asleep and wake up each day. It might mean that you're going to bed a little bit earlier than you used to, but I don't think anyone's going to be opposed to that. You're going to get extra sleep and it's going to be worth it. And the next thing I want to talk about is your sleep environment. And I know this might be tough when your baby is invaded by all the baby stuff and here you just have to do your best. Something that I always tell people about sleep is keep the room as dark as possible. Get your get blackout curtains. I got some in, in my bedroom here in South Korea and they are a game changer. They make a huge difference. And the next thing to do is to keep the temperature cool. For the Americans listening, that would be 65 degrees Fahrenheit. For those of you like myself who use the Celsius system, that would be around 18.3 degrees celsius now obviously if you can't get that precise you can either go lower to 18 or a little bit higher to 19 but either or is absolutely fine if your room is a bit cluttered try to declutter it because a clutter-free quiet cool and dark environment can significantly improve the quality of your sleep and if you're sharing the room with your little one these conditions are great for their sleep as well all right so my next tip is one of my favorites and it's something that I have definitely embraced in my 30s, it's the power nap. Now, I'm not talking about a three-hour snooze, even though this does sound amazing, but these are quick 20 to 30-minute naps, and these can do wonders to boost your mood, alertness, and even your memory. If your baby is taking a nap, you can consider joining them. I've heard from both sides of the aisle here. Some dads have said, no, use that time to work out. Others have said, no, use that time to sleep. What I would say is, see how you feel. Just make sure that you don't nap too close to your own bedtime, or you might struggle to fall asleep later on that, that evening. The next thing is tech and screen time. Also, we're probably going to catch a little bit of flack for this one, but I know it's tempting to scroll through your phone or to watch TV. This is a great way to unwind for many, many people, especially after a long day at work and then dealing with baby. You might just want to kick your feet up and watch some TV. I would recommend that you try to cut out your screen time at least an hour before your bedtime. The blue light emitted by screens can mess with your circadian rhythm and make it harder to fall asleep. Some things you can try are reading a book, listening to calming music or a podcast, or even doing light, light yoga stretching. That's something that I used to do in the past as well. Another thing that you can use is there are apps and 
programs for computers and cell phones that can dim your screen and pull the blue light out of it. That's what I use. I use on my cell phone. I've got something called Twilight that dims my screen significantly. And not only dims it, but removes the blue light. That's the important part. And then Flux does the same on my laptop. So at night, my screen does appear a little bit more warm and red and orange when I'm watching something on TV. But it doesn't even bother me anymore. I've, I've become used to it because the blue light is no longer dis- disrupting my sleep. And then the last thing to do that I recommend is creating a pre-sleep routine. And this kind of signals your body that it's time to wind down. You can include brushing your teeth, washing your face, doing some deep breathing exercises. I know some people like to journal in the evening or some people like to prepare for the next day with a to-do list. Make your sleep routine a ritual that you look forward to. So don't put things in there that are going to be a hassle for you. Because it's not just about preparing for sleep, but also taking a moment for yourself in your very busy day. Improving your sleep hygiene isn't going to be an overnight process, and that's absolutely fine. Just try implementing one or two of these tips and see how they affect your sleep. Remember, even small changes end up making a big difference in the long run. And so now that we've touched on improving your overall sleep hygiene, I want to talk about the inevitable nighttime nighttime interruptions, whether that's going to be feeding, changing a diaper, or just baby wanting to roll around and and make a noise at 3 a.m. in the morning. These sleep interruptions, unfortunately, are part of the dad package. And so let's talk about strategies to do with that. And here I've consulted with parents. I've looked online. I've spoken to uh, doulas as well, or a doula, should I say, to be more precise. And here, if you have a partner, it's a great thing to split nighttime duty. One of the most effective strategies is the splitting of the the nighttime duties, and it can look different for everyone. There's no one size fits all. Maybe one of you takes the first half of the night and the other takes the second half. Or you could alternate nights. The goal here is to ensure that both of you get at least one stretch of uninterrupted sleep. Remember, Communication is key. Talk about what works for both of you and be flexible. The strategy that worked last week might not have to be the same for this week, and that's okay. Adaptability and flexibility are crucial. Another tip is low lights. Keeping the lights low during nighttime feeds or diaper changes really can help. The bright light can signal to your body that it's time to wake up, making it harder for you to go back to sleep. Consider using a nightlight or a dimmer switch. Some parents find red or orange lights less disruptive to their sleep than traditional white or blue lights. And speaking of noise, let's talk about white noise machines. These are devices which produce a static-like sound, and they can also be an absolute game-changer for getting back to sleep, especially if you've had to get up to attend to your baby. White noise helps to mask other sounds that could keep you awake and creates a consistent auditory environment that makes it easier to fall asleep. Plus, they can also help you and your baby sleep better, which is a win-win in my book. And the nice thing about white noise and white noise machines is that nowadays I've even seen phone apps that are replicating white noise machines. So if you don't have the money to go out and buy a white noise machine, 
There are free apps that create white noise for your room. My wife and I, we use a regular fan. It's actually to help with the heat because in South Korea at the moment, it's summer, it's super hot and super humid. But the fan cools us down and produces white noise. So it is the air conditioner, to be be honest. We do run the air con as well sometimes. Um, And both combine to make a nice stable noise. The next thing I want to talk about is help for single dads. And I know some of you may not have partners. Some of you are doing this mission alone, and I, I tip my hat to you. And perhaps there's some of you that have partners that work at night and can't help you with baby care. I don't know what your unique situation may be. And things do change a bit here. Here you might have to become a master of the power nap, catching sleep whenever your baby sleeps during the day. And don't worry about the chores or the emails during this time. You're going to need to focus on your rest. It's going to be important for you and your baby. And don't be afraid to ask for help. This is where reaching out to a family member or a friend and having someone else watch your baby for a few hours while you rest is going to be able to make a world of difference. Navigating nighttime interruptions is a bit like walking through a maze. Not only walking through a maze, but a maze in the dark with your eyes closed. But with these strategies, you'll hopefully find it a little easier to manage. Remember, every baby is different, and I understand that. So it might take a bit of trial and error to figure out what works for you and your bubba. Be patient with yourself, and remember, you're doing an amazing job, even if sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And I guess that's all I wanted to say today. I reckon I've been talking a bit too much. So I'll wrap it up there, and I just wanted to say a massive thank you for listening all the way through. And for those of you who are enjoying the show and getting value out of the show, please, could I ask that you write a review and give me a rating? If you can't do that, could you at least follow or subscribe to the show so that you don't miss the content that's coming up in the next week and in the future? I think this week, it's been a bit busy. I've got a new schedule at school, so I've had a bit of trouble getting this episode out on time. It's a day late, and I do apologize for that. I hope Hopefully, these things will be the anomaly and not the norm going forward. Um, I do want to say that going forward, I would like to talk a little bit more about mental health, uh, especially considering the recent news that I received. Somebody that I grew up with, unfortunately, suffered from mental illness and is no longer with us and so it's something that I do want to dig into and uh, I'm also looking to bring on my first guest guest coming forward soon into the future so I'm looking forward to that as well but anyway that's enough for me and keep well keep safe stay healthy and remember you've got this <laughs>